Great to see you guys. I'm stoked today because we get to talk about life and how Jesus brings death, uh, brings life from death. Yeah, got that a little reversed. We get to celebrate Easter in November, last week and this week, because we're going through the passage that we usually cover on Easter Sunday. And Easter is my favorite day of the year every year, so I get to celebrate it three times this year. I'm pretty stoked. We get to see how death is transformed into life through the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever experienced something close to death, if you've ever had a near-death experience, I've had a lot of them, and I've told you most of the stories of them. You know how dumb I am and how I get myself into really dumb situations. Maybe you haven't heard this story yet. I was 10 years old, and I was riding my bike right next to my house. There's a huge hill right next to my house when I was growing up. And so in order to make it up that hill on a BMX bike, no gears, you had to go back and forth, slalom style, up the hill. So that's what I did every day when I went up that hill. And uh, so I got on my bike, went to go up the hill, just like normal, and I forgot to look back when I started slaloming over towards the center of the street, and so I didn't see the pickup truck that was right behind me. That pickup truck came and hit me, hit my back tire, and launched me up over my handlebars. Now, here's the amazing thing. When it launched me up, I was still upright and my legs were still pedaling. And so I was flying through the air with like Wiley Coyote kind of legs, just pedaling through the air. And then when I hit the ground, I was still upright and my legs were still going. And so I just started running along the road when I hit the pavement. It was fun is what it was. I started laughing as soon as I hit the ground. And then I turned around and I saw my bike which was a mangled mess underneath the truck. And that's when I crumpled down under the pavement and, and tears started welling up because that's when I realized that should be me, crumpled in a mangled mess underneath that truck. From that day forward, I walked my bike up the hill. I learned my lesson. But it's near-death experiences like that that make you really appreciate life. And not just physical near-death experiences. Maybe you've experienced kind of an emotional near-death experience. Maybe you've experienced the death of a relationship, a romance that died, a friendship that just kind of fizzled out. Maybe you've experienced uh, the death of a dream. Maybe you gave it your best shot and, and still it, it went nowhere. It just never happened. So now you're wondering, am I ever going to feel alive again? Am I ever going to thrive again? Well, this message is for you. This passage is for you. If you got your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians 15. We're on the home stretch of this epic book. And so 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's got one goal in mind when he's writing this. One goal. It's to show you how Jesus brings life out of death. How he gives life through his Holy Spirit. And how it all started when Jesus was raised from the dead. When Christ was raised in new life, that made it possible for us to have new life. Life to the full that starts right now and keeps getting better every single day through all eternity. You're going to see the kind of new life that Jesus wants you to have right now. So let's pray, and we'll hear this incredible news. Father, thank you. Thank you for this promise of new life. In this season, over the last months and years, we've seen and felt a lot of death death in our state, death across the world. 
We feel death very strongly right now. We know that death is all around us, and so that's why it's such incredible news that you conquered death and that you invite us into your victory. Lord, help us to see the victory that we have in Christ over death, and I pray that that would transform our lives today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Here's what Paul says. As it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Christ is the first fruits of the dead coming to life. That concept of first fruits, that's an Old Testament idea. In the Old Testament times, when you wanted to give an offering to God, you would bring your first fruits, literally the first fruits that you were able to raise, the first crops that you had. You were saying to God, this isn't all. I, I don't have the whole harvest yet. This is just a preview of what I, what I want to give you, God. It's, it's kind of like the preview for a movie. I know the last preview that you saw that made you just so excited to go see that movie. Maybe it's the new Aquaman that's coming out. I don't know. You saw that, saw the trailer, and you're like, oh, already you got Siri to remind you of when the tickets go on pre-sale. Because you're like, man, if that's the preview, I can't imagine what the actual movie is going to be like. That's the resurrection of Christ. It's the preview for the resurrection of the whole world. Just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Yeah, if you've put your trust in Jesus, then you're going to be resurrected like Jesus. You're going to have new life one day. And that should change the way you live your life today. That should change the way you think about life today. There's all kinds of things that this new life brings. Here's the first one. It brings you a new attitude. If you really understand the new life that's coming and the new life that you have right now, how you're going to be raised from the dead, it changes everything. Because you already know what's coming in the end days, so shouldn't that change your approach to life in these days? I mean, what if you knew what was coming for everything in life? Maybe you're a new parent. You're just struggling to keep up with your kids right now. You got one who's in diapers, one you're trying to potty train, one who was supposed to be potty trained, but you're having to clean up after all the time, and you're just going every day, what am I doing with my life? Is this even worth anything? Why am I giving all of this time and energy? Well, what if somebody knocked on your door tomorrow, holding out a medal? On the back of that medal, there's the year, let's say 2073, and your child's name engraved on it. On the front of the medal, it says, pre-Nobel, Nobel Prize. Wouldn't that change the way you think about that next diaper that you're about to change? It would change everything. Now, you don't know that's going to happen with your kid. Your kid might grow up to be Adolf Hitler. You don't know. Here's what you do know. You know you're going to be raised from the dead, just like Jesus. You know you're going to have new life one day, and so that should give you a whole new attitude about your life today. Here's how Jesus is going to bring new life. Look at verse 23. It says, each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward it is coming those who belong to Christ. 
And then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. For God has put everything under his feet. Now when it says everything is put under him, it is obvious that he who puts everything under him is the exception. When everything is subject to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to him so that God may be all and in all. Man, that is something to look forward to. God the Father, through Jesus Christ the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, they're gonna take care of everything. Everything. So here's something else that new life brings. Number two, new confidence. That's gotta give you some new confidence in life because it says in verse 24, he will abolish all rule, all authority, all power. Whatever it is that you feel like has power over you right now, it's gonna be abolished. There's no evil person, no evil idea that Jesus won't defeat. There's no sin in your heart that Jesus won't kill. There's no weakness you have, no shortcoming you have, no fallenness, no fault, no failure that Jesus isn't gonna overcome. Christ is king over everything. And that's not just in the future, that's right now. It says in verse 27, God has put everything under his feet. It's a done deal. He's got sovereignty over everything right now which means he has authority over everything right now, which means that you can pray to him and expect him to answer. If he's got power over everything, then you can pray to him about everything and anything. And you can have confidence that he's gonna answer you. Every week in our community group, at the very beginning, we share some of the things that we're celebrating in life, just things that have happened in the last week. Most of the time, these are things that we've been praying about. These are answered prayers. And a lot of the time, these are things that the whole group has been praying about. We get to celebrate the answered prayers in our lives that we see all the time. We get to celebrate how Jesus is proving his sovereignty and his love all the time in our lives. If you fully comprehend that, that changes how you live. It changes everything about how you live. Look at verse 29. Paul says, what will they do who are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are people baptized for them? And by the way, that doesn't mean being baptized on behalf of the dead. That means being baptized into fellowship with the dead. When we get baptized, when we go down to Alamona Beach Park and get dunked under the water, we're being baptized into fellowship with God's family across the centuries. We're being baptized into fellowship with Abraham and Moses and Peter and Paul. That changes some things. Verse 30, why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day as surely as I may boast about you, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, what good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Yeah, if there's no new life, if there's nothing to look forward to, then what we have to look forward to is just what we've got right now. The life we're living right now, it's all we've got, which means all of us who are Christians, all of us who are working hard to follow God, to deny ourselves, to kill sin, to serve the world around us, what that means is we're wasting our time right now. We're wasting our time if there's no new life. There's a lot of fun we should be having right now. A lot of money we should be making right now if there's no new life. 
Why don't you cheat on your taxes? Why don't you cheat on your wife? You should, if there's no new life. You should take everything you want in life. You should seize every opportunity you get in life, whether it's moral or immoral, if there's no such thing as new life. If there's no hope for eternity in heaven. But there is new life. Jesus Christ was raised. And so Paul says in verse 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning. For some people are ignorant about God. And I say this to your shame. So here's another big thing that new life brings. Number three, new morality. A new way of living life in light of the life that's to come. Paul says, come to your senses and stop sinning. Just stop sinning. And not because we want to escape from God's wrath. Because we've already escaped from God's wrath. Because Jesus took God's wrath in our place when he died on the cross, and then he proved that he had accomplished that when he rose from the grave. Jesus broke the power of sin over you. The power is gone. Even the power of those sins that you feel powerless against. Like, maybe there's sins that you feel like you inherited from your parents, and they're just always going to be part of your life. Maybe you're like, well, my dad was always angry, so I guess I'm always going to be angry. My mom was always anxious, so I'm always going to be anxious. No. You've been crucified with Christ, and so is your sin. Jesus Christ lives in you through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives in you because he gave you new life. And that was proven when he was raised to new life. It'll be culminated when you're resurrected to eternal life. I don't know, maybe you're still kind of skeptical about that. Maybe you're still kind of cynical about this whole new life thing and resurrection thing. You're not really sure what that's all about and what kind of difference it makes in your life. You're, you're kind of like the person in verse 35. Look at this. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? Yeah, there's some kind of people who just get weirded out by this whole idea and they, they want to ask silly questions about the resurrection because this is probably a sarcastic question somebody really did ask Paul. They're just cynical about this whole resurrection thing. Basically what they're saying is, hey, Paul, what if I get cremated? What's going to happen then in the resurrection? How is God going to glue together all this dust back into a resurrected body? How's that going to happen, Paul? Well, Paul says in verse 36, you fool. Sometimes it is a righteous thing to call somebody a fool. You fool. What you sow does not come to life until it dies. You have to experience death in order to experience new life. He's using this metaphor from farming. And I know most of us who aren't Aaron Jones, aren't farmers in this room, all the rest of us, we have no idea what he's talking about. But maybe you've, you've tried to grow tomatoes in a little box on your lanai. Maybe you've just done something small like that. You know that in order to get a new tomato plant, you need to get a seed. And where does that come from? Out of an old tomato from an old tomato plant. You, you get this seed, and it looks brown and dead. It doesn't look like it has any life in it. But when you put it in the soil, when you plant it in the ground, suddenly with sunlight and water and enough nutrients, 
new life springs up. A beautiful new plant with beautiful tomatoes growing on it. That's the kind of idea that Paul's given us here. So he says in verse 37, as for what you sow, you're not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed. You're only a seed right now. Perhaps of wheat or another grain, but God gives it a body as he wants and to each of the seeds, its own body. He's saying your life right now, it's just a seed. It's just a little kernel of what it's gonna become. A tomato seed has all of the DNA of the tomato plant that's gonna be produced. And so when you put that seed in the ground, when you bury that seed, it will become something beautiful and glorious that still is related to the seed that was planted. Verse 39, he's gonna keep going and start giving us some new metaphors. All flesh is the same flesh. There's one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There's a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So now he's moving from the picture of plants to the picture of planets. He's saying there's a big difference between the earth and the sun. I saw a picture that tells you exactly what that difference is. Look at this picture. You see that pale blue dot over on the lower right? That's the earth. That's how big the earth is compared to that big, giant, glowing ball that's the sun. That's the difference there is. And so that's what Paul's saying about your life today compared to the glorious life that's coming. You're just a pale blue little speck right now, just a grain of sand next to that big bowling ball. You're just a pale blue little speck, but one day you're gonna be big and glorious like the sun. And so when you put those two metaphors together, the plant picture and the planet picture, you get a really good idea of what your new life is gonna be like after the resurrection. You're gonna be the same person, but incredibly glorious. Your heavenly body, it's gonna be based on your earthly body like a plant is based on a seed. When you plant an avocado seed, you don't get a mango tree. When you plant a mango seed, you don't get a papaya tree. So when you get planted in the ground, you're not gonna come out the other side someone totally different. You're still gonna be you. You're probably still gonna be the same ethnicity. Did you know that? In Revelation, it says there's going to be people in heaven from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue. Every ethnicity is still going to be around in heaven. You're probably still going to be doing the same kind of work that you do right now. In one of the parables Jesus told, there's this servant who goes to heaven, and his master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. In other words, You're still going to be doing the same kind of things that you're doing right now in heaven. You're just going to be doing it to a greater degree, more glorious degree, and with more joy as you do it. None of the frustration that you feel right now as you're doing it. And so that should change the way you do what you do right now. Here's something else that new life brings. Number four, new purpose. That's what Paul's telling us here. This new life that's coming should give you a new purpose for life today because you've got a glorious future. So that should change the way you live in the present. Maybe you're just getting started in your career right now. You're just doing 
data entry kind of work. You're stuck in a cubicle all day long. Maybe you get one day allowed of remote work where you can actually work from your house, but every other day you're stuck in your little cubicle doing Excel all day long, just spreadsheets for days. And so all day you're taking numbers from this spreadsheet, copy, paste them into that spreadsheet. It just feels meaningless, this work that you're doing. Unfulfilling, unrewarding. Well, what if somebody came to your cubicle tomorrow holding a nameplate? It's your name on it. It's what's gonna go on your office door, 30th floor corner office in 20 years. And it has your name and your title, CEO. Wouldn't that change the way you do your work today? Wouldn't it give you energy and enthusiasm and purpose in your work today? Man, you would be doing spreadsheets with a song in your heart and a spring in your step all day long if you knew what was coming. Well, guess what? That's exactly the promise you've got here. You're gonna have a glorious purpose in heaven. Glorious. And so that should give you more purpose today. Even though your life right now seems kind of unglorious. Look what Paul says in verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. He's comparing this life to the next life. And he's saying this life is dishonorable. This life is dishonorable. And I feel that more and more the longer that I live this life. Like going to the barber shop now. That is not honorable anymore. Because a couple years ago, my barber started sticking the trimmer inside my ear. Oh, man. The first time he did that, I'm like, seriously? Am I that old? Is it that time? He's like, bro, it's that time, all right? Oh, man. Yeah, life is dishonorable. Paul says, this life is weak. I feel that every time I go downstairs. I've got the knees of a 93-year-old. It's awful. Weak, this life is. Paul says, this life is corruptible. And I feel that every time I eat junk food these days. I used to be able to eat a bag of Doritos for dinner. That's a full, nutritious, healthy dinner for a 25-year-old, right? Not anymore. I eat half a snack-sized bag of chips and I feel it five minutes later. It's terrible. I'm at the age where everything stops working. And so that's what I'm always talking about with my friends because they're all feeling the same thing. 10 years ago, we would talk about music and movies and motorcycles. Now we talk about like knee surgeries and fiber supplements and colonoscopies. That's our entire conversation these days. Paul says this life is dishonorable and weak and corruptible, but the new life is gonna be glorious and powerful and incorruptible. I'm gonna be able to eat flaming hot Cheetos, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day in heaven. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna live like superheroes in heaven. I know that because that's kind of how Jesus was after he was resurrected. You remember some of those stories? After Jesus was resurrected, he was able to walk through walls. After Jesus was resurrected, he was was able to be in one place this minute and then a place 100 miles away the next minute. How did he do that? There's only two possibilities. Either it was teleportation like Star Trek or he could fly like Superman. I don't know about you. I'll take either one. Either one sounds amazing to me. 
your life in the new life is gonna be incredible. It's gonna be incredible one day, and so that should change everything about life on earth today. Keep going in verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What is he saying? Adam gave us death through the DNA that's implanted in us. Jesus gave us life through his spirit who's living inside of us. Verse 50, what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We'll not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. We saw that when we were working through Revelation. We saw how some people are still gonna be alive when Jesus returns. They're gonna be resurrected while they're still alive. Sounds amazing. The rest of us who are in the ground will be resurrected alongside them. Verse 53 For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. I love that. Jesus has taken the sting of death away. The sting isn't gonna sting us anymore. And so we don't have to pretend like the sting doesn't sting anymore. That's what the rest of our world does. The rest of our culture wants to pretend that death doesn't sting. They wanna find any way they can to think about death in other terms than the pain that it brings. Like Steve Jobs, one of the most brilliant guys of the last century. After he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, he gave this commencement speech at Stanford. Look at what he said. Death is very likely the single best invention of life. It is life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. So the only way for him to take away the the sting of death was to make himself believe that he was clearing away space for the people around him. To make himself believe that death was the best invention ever. Let me ask you, the last time that you were at a funeral, were you sitting there thinking, best invention ever? At a funeral, do you think to yourself, I'm really glad this person cleared away space for me? That's insane to think that way. That's insanity. Death stings. It stings, and we can't just pretend that it doesn't. Death stings, but here's the amazing truth. We won't experience that sting, not in the same way. 
Jesus took that sting in our place. It says in Isaiah 53, he was pierced because of our rebellion. He took the sting for us. He was crushed because of our iniquities. And so we are healed by his wounds. Jesus died so we don't have to die, not eternally. And so that's why Paul says in verse 57, look at what he says. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Present tense, present tense. It's not past tense. Thanks be to God who gave us the victory when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. It's not future tense. Thanks be to God who will give us the victory when Jesus comes back. Thanks be to God who present day right now gives us the victory in every moment of our lives through Jesus Christ. You have the victory right now. And so therefore, verse 58, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Here's one last thing the new life gives us. It's new resolve. New resolve, new perseverance because Paul says your labor in the Lord, it's not in vain. It's not in vain for you to pursue holiness and kill sin. It's not in vain for you to spend your time and your money and your energy serving the people around you. It's not in vain for you to be mocked by your family for wasting your life on this Jesus stuff. It's not in vain because you have the victory in Jesus. So you can keep pursuing Jesus. You can keep serving Jesus. You can keep sacrificing for Jesus. You've got new life in Jesus. New life for eternity. And that changes everything about your life right now. Let's pray together. Father, amid all the death that we've seen all around us in this season, we feel the sting. We feel it secondhand from tragedies that we've heard through personal stories or seen on the news. We feel it firsthand through little deaths that we've experienced along the way. That's why we're so grateful for the new life that Jesus brought out of death through his resurrection from the grave. Thank you that he's invited us into that new life. We don't deserve it. We've done nothing to earn it. But by his grace, we've been set free from the shackles of death. Lord, I pray that we would live in that reality right now. Even though we feel death all around us, I pray that we would have hope purpose, confidence, resolve to keep living for you, serving you, sacrificing for you by serving the people around us. All out of the new life that you've given us through Jesus Christ. It's in his victory that we celebrate and pray. Amen.